the four o'clock football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 O'Clock Football Frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Every day at this time we've been previewing a team on our uh, Cofield and Company NFL rankings, counting from 32 up to 1. Uh, we're not super high as a show on the Giants. Not horrible, but number 21 in the rankings. And uh, Patricia Trainer. Covers the Giants. She does the Locked On Giants podcast, and she gives Cofield and Company a couple of minutes here on a Monday. How are you? I'm good, guys. How are you? We're good. We're good. A lot to get into with the uh, Giants game against the Jets. It's the preseason, so we're not going to overreact. But uh, for you, what was the uh, the biggest takeaway from the, the Giants' loss against the Jets? Well, I would say they've got a lot of work to do on, on the whole, but uh, the offensive line depth, which uh, has been a question mark, for going back really to last season, they didn't really answer a whole lot of questions uh, with the performance. It was shaky. They had some additional injuries. And, you know, it just seemed that at the start of summer training camp, they were ready to roll into the into the summer and maybe into the season with what they had. And then, of course, they had the injuries. They had a couple guys retire. And now they're going to finally have to address that line, which, uh, you know, they didn't do back in the offseason. So that's going to be point number one, you know. And then you had a bunch of guys that didn't play against the Jets. So we didn't really see the, you know, the offense. Daniel Jones didn't play. Saquon Barkley didn't play. Kadarius Tony didn't play. A whole bunch of guys didn't play. So we haven't really seen them against different competition. But this coming week, we're going to see some of those guys play against the Cleveland Browns in, the, in preseason game number two. And, of course, we're going to see some of them in, in the joint practices that are coming up later in the week. Yeah, I was going to say, it'll be interesting to see if Tony's out there for the joint practice. Did we get any word why he was expected to play, why he didn't play? Yeah, apparently he aggravated an injury that he was uh, dealing with. Now, head coach Joe Judge did not say what the injury was. But uh, needless to say, it's been kind of a weird start to Kadarius Tony's uh, NFL career. But with that said, if you remember way back in the day, Odell Beckham Jr. also had a very weird and shaky start to his career. And as a rookie, you know, even though he only played in 12 games for the Giants, he still went over 1,000 yards receiving. So uh, I wouldn't necessarily press the panic button just yet on Kadarius Tony and the start to his career, but it has been kind of a head-scratcher for him. You mentioned Saquon Barkley didn't play. When will he play? That's a really good question. Joe Judge said he has not ruled out giving him some preseason snaps. I don't buy it, quite frankly. I think, you know, look, you've been talking all along about how you don't want to put him out there. You don't want to rush him back. You don't want to jeopardize any, you know, all the work he's put in over the last few months. I don't see what the point is for you know, getting him some preseason snaps, you know, especially in a game where you might have an overzealous player who's looking to impress the coach, you know, do something and maybe get carried away a little bit. I think it, the way to get him ready is to keep him in a, in a controlled environment and just keep building him up in practice and come week one, hopefully he's ready, if not for a full-time load, which I don't think he'll be ready for a full-time load, but at least be able to get him out on the field for maybe – know a dozen snaps or so and and let him start to build up the football calluses if you will that way where i guess where where is your opinion right now uh, of daniel jones as the quarterback he certainly faced some challenges i think at the end of each of the years you can look back and say ah, i guess there was something there I, I guess uh where i mean where where does he stand now 
Well, you know, it's interesting. You can make the excuse that, you know, the offensive line wasn't good. You can make the excuse that he didn't have playmakers. All that is, is definitely true. But the two biggest things that I think have plagued Daniel Jones were his doing. And they included the turnovers. I think it's something like 29 turnovers and since he's become a starter, or, or might be career-wise, because I think he had a turnover in the very first game he ever played in in relief of Eli Manning. So that's on him. And the other thing that's on him has been his mental processing. So when you see him drop back, for example, and he's looking, 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 patting the ball, hopping around in the pocket, not sure where to go with it, that's, that's mental processing, which a quarterback needs to really have. So Jones last year averaged 2.7 seconds to get the ball out of his hand from, from getting the snap to the drop back to actually attempting a pass. That's actually the same amount of time and this is according to Pro Football Focus, by the way, but that's actually the same amount of time as Aaron Rodgers. The difference being is Aaron Rodgers, A, has been in you know a familiar system for multiple years, whereas Daniel Jones last year was in a, a new system. And B, Aaron Rodgers has a lot more experience in figuring out when defenses are you know disguising stuff. So he, And he was also able to extend plays with his legs. So I think year two for Daniel Jones in the same offensive system – the hope is that he'll speed things up a little bit. He'll be a little bit more decisive and cut down on some of these mistakes and being fooled by some of the disguises that defenses throw at him. How, I guess how important is this year for determining whether he is the guy going forward? Oh, it's critical. You know, people will say every year is critical for a quarterback, but look, the Giants are in a situation. They, I would say they're maybe 90% sure that Daniel Jones is their franchise quarterback. You need to be 100% sure because next year you're in a position now in the draft where you have two first-round draft picks. So if you have to move up to get a quarterback, you can do that. They, I can tell you they don't want to have to do that. They would probably rather take, you know, move up to get a, a pass rusher or maybe even an offensive lineman if, if need be or any other position than a quarterback. So they would like this to be the year for him, but uh, look, he's got to produce. There are no more excuses. It's year two in the same system. He's got playmakers. You know, they they keep saying the offensive line is going to be fine. Okay, prove it. Now step up and start going from a game manager to a game winner, somebody who can carry the team over the finish line at the end of the game when you need him to. The defense was good last year. Uh, I don't think a lot of people expected it was going to be that good. Uh, can they maintain it, or was it kind of a flash in the pan? No, I think they'll make, not only maintain it, I think they have the potential to be better. I mean, they have added um, a lot of depth to the defensive secondary. Now, last year they weren't able to play man coverage a whole lot, which is which was a big problem for them. I know defensive coordinator Patrick Graham, if you followed him when he was down in Miami, he played a lot of man coverage wasn't able to do that as much with the Giants because they just didn't have the personnel to do it. Now they do. They added, you know, a Dory Jackson to go with James Bradbury. Um, they're hoping to get a little better pressure up front from the pass rush. So I think they're going to try to play more man coverage, and you have to play man coverage in this league because, you know, especially against some of those speedy receivers, if you're letting them get free releases off the line and you're not knocking them around out there and, and just pressing on them, they're going to burn you all day long, and I think that's something that they really sought to address in the offseason. Talking about the Giants, she does the podcast Locked On Giants podcast. It's Patricia Trena is with us. Uh, let's talk about that defensive line. I thought there were some good moments for uh, Danny Shelton in the game against the Jets. Yeah, Danny Shelton, let me tell you, he is a 
an amazing human being. I mean, a guy, for a man that size, the way he moves, I mean, I, I, I know, I feel bad saying that about anybody, but, you know, he's a big, he, he's, he's a big body, nose, nose tackle, a run stuffer, and, and he moves, you know, like, like a, I don't, I don't want to say a ballerina, but he, he moves, like, pretty well. And, um, look, when you have a guy that's eating up double-team blocks or sometimes triple-team blocks, that's going to make things easier for the guys in back of you to shoot gaps and get in, into the backfield and penetrate and, you know, force some uh, quarterback hurries, get some quarterback hits, and, and just maybe create some turnover opportunities. So, yeah, Danny Shelton, um, I thought, had a pretty good game for his first game out with the Giants. And, you know, that's, that was a big question mark, too, because remember, the Giants lost Dalvin Tomlinson, who was their nose tackle, and there was some concern about, oh, how are they going to replace him? So I don't know if Danny Shelton's going to be the starter, per se. I think he's going to probably share snaps with Austin Johnson, who's in his second year with the Giants. But, um, you know, they, they feel that they've got the, uh, they got the the manpower up front to, you know, replace Dalvin Tomlinson and the production he brought. Well, you know, you referenced the guys behind him. Uh, I mean, one of the guys, is, it's already been a good story, but this is developing into an amazing story with Tay Crowder. Yeah, Tay Crowder. He was Mr. Irrelevant last year. Yep. And, um, you know, usually when you have a Mr. Irrelevant, you don't really expect a whole lot from him. And this is a guy who, you know, when given the opportunity, stepped up and he produced. And he's, he's not too bad in coverage. You know, um, I think coverage is probably his strength. But, this, you know, he, he ended up being the starter alongside of Blake Martinez in, in the base defense. They play a 3-4 base. And, uh, you know, he also saw an increase in, in some of the sub-packages. But, you know, really happy to see him, you know, his hard work pay off because, again, not a lot is expected of a seventh-round draft pick, let alone Mr. Irrelevant. All right, Patricia, this is where we make our money. It's Vegas. You guys have gambling there, too, so you know about the over-unders and all this stuff. The over-under win total is seven for the Giants this year. Uh, there's actually a lot of money on the over. Where are you going? Are they going to go over seven or under seven? Oh, wow. I think if everything, if everyone stays healthy, I'm going to say over, but not by a whole lot. I'm going to say, wow. I'm going to say eight. I'm going okay. to, I'm going to go with eight. So that doesn't bode well for a division title. Where, what do you, what do you think they are? The third or the fourth best team in the division? Um, well, you know, it's interesting. The NFC East, I think it's still kind of a big question mark. Washington, okay. I don't know what's going to happen with their quarterback situation. Can they win it with Ryan Fitzpatrick, a.k.a. Fitzmagic? Um, Dallas, you know, there's some concerns, I guess, going on with Dak Prescott and his shoulder. And plus they have a brand-new defensive coordinator, so how quickly is that unit going to come together? And then, of course, you have the Eagles, which was a mess last year, and I think they're still a mess this year. So I think if it, the division may come down to the Giants and Washington if, you know, everything falls into place. But I'll tell you what, Washington's defense really, really scares me with Chase Young and that defensive front. They scare the heck out of me. And, you know, I, I just, if they get good play out of Fitzmagic, Fitzpatrick, um, I could see them potentially challenging. But I'll tell you what, I don't think the Giants are that far off. I think they're a team on the rise. And um, I think they're going to be better than what they were last year if everything falls into place. But, I'm not putting them down to win the Super Bowl or even challenge for the Super Bowl just yet. I think there's still a few pieces away. Locked on Giants podcast is one of the best out there. Patricia, we appreciate a couple minutes. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys.
Patricia Trainer covers the Giants. Over under seven. The under, you can actually, at some spots, you can get uh, plus 130 on. I think seven's about the right number, so I don't feel like they're going to be horrific and win five or six, but they do have potential to be a disaster again. See, sure. it's a mixed bag when you're like, yay, Tay Crowder, Mr. Irrelevant, starter in year two. Okay, that's good. He's exceeded expectations, but the problem is all so many of the other draft picks, you know, up until last year by Gettleman have been mystifying and you're trying to find out if Daniel Jones can play or not. And again, you're going into the year and you're like, is the offensive line good? How long does it take to build an offensive line? The Raiders may be a disaster. I don't know. But the Raiders had the cojones to go out and change four-fifths of their freaking line. Three-fifths, right? The Chargers did the same thing. Why is the Giants line still a question mark? (laughs) The Giants are just one giant question mark. Just one huge question mark. That's what they are. And I, I still am not at all sold on Daniel Jones. Uh, but I like I do think there's there's a weird thing. Like I feel like Daniel Jones is the kind of player in the past we may have been like, all right, well, you got a shot, you're done. But I I actually do think there's kind of a Josh Allen effect going on in the league where you look and say, Hey, the guy was trash for two years. Yeah. And now he's, you know, one of the one of the better quarterbacks in the league according to a lot of people. Like I think teams are like, okay, maybe we have to endure a couple of really trash years to get to there with some players. And maybe that's what they're hoping with Daniel Jones. Yeah, I have no interest in betting the Giants for the division. It's very low at plus 375. And, uh, okay, I mean, make, make the playoffs. You make no. the case for it, though. I mean, if, the division division is weird. What it you, is very weird. What are the Cowboys doing with Prescott? I, I still don't know. Is he hurt? Is he playing? Is he going to be okay? Like They, they said he's going to be fine for week one. We'll see. He can't throw. Uh, the defense with Fitzmagic could be good, but is this the year that you know Fitzmagic just runs into it right away? He hits the wall right away, and he's got nothing. And the thing is, I, over. I think there are eight wins, like just because of the defense and some of the other surrounding talent. Washington? I think there, I think there are eight wins. There, sure. there are a minimum of eight wins. Well, the thing, the problem is, the other teams may not even get there. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Could could the could eight. Could the Giants and Washington be 8-9 eight, nine, eight, nine. and tie and the Giants get the tiebreaker? Sure. I think it's possible. It's so crazy. The division stinks yet again. It's amazing. It was it was the, you know, a glamour division for so long, but because of bad management and, and bad ownership and meddling ownership in a lot of the situations, the whole division's freaking blown up. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. We have the all-time record in the SEC. Best QB with the most all right, time for a football frenzy headlines. Yeah, Tebow better enjoy the uh, the glamour treatment for now because I think uh, I don't think things are going too well for him based on what we saw on some highlights from yesterday. But we uh, get to a bunch of headlines here in the football frenzy. Adam Hill, Cofield, uh, to go back to the Giants for a second. You know, I didn't get to ask Patricia. Her opinion. I wonder if Giants fans are looking at the game against the Raiders and they're marking that down as a win. And I wonder if that's a mistake. I'm, I am not high on the Giants at all. No. I don't know where you are, but... Nobody in that division. 
That's that's why I was bullish on the Ra- the Raiders win total this year because these are all winnable games. They are, but I think there it's was the, no giant bully on the block out of the NFC East. Right, but I think the what the if you take the win totals of projected opponent or not projected the actual opponents projected win totals, I think it's the second hardest schedule in the league. So what? Yeah, I mean, I don't I mean, have to go necessarily by their win totals. I mean, I you know, like I said, I don't. I think seven is about the the right win total for the Giants, and I, I don't think they'll be as bad as five, but they could be. And the Eagles could suck. They could. The Eagles could be a four win team, and I, I'm not entirely confident that the Cowboys are any better than like an eight win team. Well, if Dak played, if you've told me Dak's healthy the whole year, then I would be I mean, very confident. The sucky part for the Raiders is that, you know, they're on a short week, Thanksgiving. So, like I'd like to say, they it, Raiders have no chance at nine or ten wins. Which I had them projected to go ten and seven. They have no chance at nine or ten wins if they don't go at least two and two in these crossover games, if not three and one. Sure. Yeah, you have to. You have to. You know, find those wins. These are like te- they're similar teams. The Cowboys big- have the most upside of all of them. You know, the cow a good Cowboy team with a decent, you know, good offense with a decent defense can you know could challenge to win ten or eleven games. Yeah. But the other teams are not. <laughs> they're not great. No, they're not great. But they're all they're all pretty good. Except for Philly, I think, um, and that's that's part of what comes in with the when you talk about the schedule for the Raiders is that there's not a whole lot of just you know teams that are awful, awful on their schedule. There's teams that are not very good and that are winnable, uh, but you're going to see you know those win totals are going to be like seven, eight, nine. You don't have a whole lot of you know fours and four and a halfs on your schedule. Back to college. Are you happy with your Wolverines choice at quarterback, Cade McNamara? I mean, I think it was kind of a case uh, until we see something. It was, you know, lesser of two evils. What does that mean? Uh, I don't. Don't they have a five star, you know, top 10 recruit yeah, and a quarterback? But it's not, that has not worked out. It just has, whoever they put at quarterback just hasn't been great. It's been a. Why a is that? Slog. Why can't he recruit a quarterback? This kid's out of Reno. And actually, I thought he had some good moments last year. Yeah, they were terrible. The team was terrible. Okay. I thought he had some good moments regardless. So why is he having trouble getting the quarterback? I, I I cannot answer that. I have no idea. I thought that would be one thing that they would absolutely crush every year. Um, I, I'm mystified by why they haven't really been able to find a quarterback. Um, and for whatever reason, it hasn't worked. I mean, maybe, you know, he's asking them to do too much. You know, He's asking them, you know, to do what NFL quarterbacks do. I, I don't know. I, I can't answer that. He's been a guy who's – Developed quarterbacks all throughout his career, and then all of a sudden he comes to Michigan in what we all thought and and still do feel is his dream job, and it hasn't worked out, you know, over and over again with these guys. So we'll see how, you know, how it happens. Like every year, it's like oh, they got they got to decide which of the four star quarterbacks to start, and right. none of them are good. And JJ McCarthy was a you know fifth rated quarterback in the country. Yeah, and I I still have some hope for whatever reason that he's going to be good, but he doesn't come in to win the job and. McNamara does, and we'll see how it plays out again. We saw him a little bit last year as a, you know, as a young player, and hopefully in, being in the system again uh, can help him go that much further. I just I'm beaten down by the <laughs> Michigan quarterbacks in the last couple well, so of then, years. So then, why do you want why do you want Harbaugh to stay around? I still have faith that he'll do it. At some point, he's, it's going to work. At some the point, team, the team. It's not like it's been a disaster. No, but I'm saying, but the quarterback position. Has been a disaster. By the way, you do realize when I said 
McNamara looked good last year. It was one of the games that I really focused on. Oh, he Rutgers. freaking destroyed them in a very sure. tight game. Sure. He was throwing the ball over the yard. He was 27 <laughs> to 36 for 260 and four touchdowns. So, so he looked like Nate Peterman. Yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, but he didn't do much beyond that. He, he barely played again the, the rest of the season. Um, McCarthy will Well, no, no. Shot. Actually, I'm sorry. I had it in reverse. That was his first big game after getting a cup of coffee and a couple of games before that. I hope that McCarthy sticks around and still tries to fight through it. I mean, he is, uh, believe. Their highest rated quarterbacks is like 2007. Well, that's, that's kind of a depressing thought. That's that's reality now. Like he doesn't win the starting job. I hope he sticks around. Well, like they, you, you don't win the, you don't win the starting job to start the season and you're out immediately. Come on. I mean, I at some point, which, I hope we're, gets... which that also would say a lot about Jim Harbaugh. If a guy's ready to bail after freaking being in the program for eight seconds, well, it's not like you're losing out to a senior. You're losing out to another. Like if I, if you're behind him. You that might maybe you're behind him for three years. Yeah, we don't need to sit here and break down Michigan football, but I highly doubt that this kid's not going to get a chance at some point. So I, I you're not that enthusiastic you, about McNamara in the first place. They play, uh, so that means McCarthy will have a chance to, to win the job eventually. They play Western Michigan and then Washington, so they better kind of got to ramp it up there in a couple of weeks. Let's hope. Um, UNLV camp is going on right now. Uh, if you were watching, following Twitter over the weekend, uh, you saw that I informed you that. Uh, Potential starter, Doug Broomfield was in a walking boot. Uh, looking at uh, Paloma from Fox 5's report from this morning. Again, he wasn't out there at practice today. He wasn't out there on Saturday. Uh, he was doing some conditioning work on the side. Uh, walking boot, I was told by Marcus Arroyo, it's just a precaution right now. He said he you know, he was kind of like, eh, you know, there's we have several guys who, who could be in a walking boot right now. We're why, just trying to protect we're trying to protect him from getting stepped on. Where's the is that like the Cowboys tweet? Well, no. The difference being that UNLV didn't put it out there, right? That that was the mystery of the Cowboys thing. Like, why even why put out a weirdly panicked sounding tweet saying "Don't panic, everything's fine." Like, don't believe worry me, Marcus Oro didn't run over to us on Saturday and go, "Listen, he's in a walking boot, okay? <laughs> everything's gonna be okay." That was that, that 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 was that tweet. If that that voice right there was that tweet, but and nothing to see here. But it's all good. By the way, if we don't get an interaction with the social media manager on uh, Hard Knocks tomorrow, uh, I will I will be livid. So a big part of what UNLV is trying to do here is rebuild this offensive line because they had a veteran offensive line last year. And listen, it got beat the hell. Guys guys weren't practicing for the longest time. COVID issues. Well, they cleared out a lot of the offensive line. They had some super seniors who could have come back. They let. One comeback and Julio Garcia, local guy. Um, so he'll be out there. He's going to be at a guard position. Um, Leaf Fano, too. I always mispronounce his name. Uh, Fantano is uh, he's going to be the center. I think Tiger Shanks will be in the mix because he got some playing time last year at one of the tackle spots. Massive dude. But the rest of it's up for grabs. Uh, what was it? Friday I talked to, or Thursday I talked to. Um, Coach Arroyo about the offensive line and and just how open the 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 competition is right now. Yeah, we got Graham Keaton. I've got some young guys we're really throwing in there, man. Graham Keaton at center, uh, Antoine Amble, Davion McDaniel, Anthony Berry. I mean, we've got a lot of new faces in there from the ones and twos, and we're mixing them up. And so those guys have done a really good job. They're drinking through a, a fire hose right now, you know, because it's it's big boy football and uh, the physical piece, the mental piece, the emotional piece of practice eight at this level. The way we practice is is tough, and they've done a great job, especially the young guys, man. So, a lot of new guys, but there are actually some experienced guys in. He mentioned the, the kid McDaniel who was at Charleston Southern. 
uh, they're all gigantic dudes. The line is bigger than it's it's ever been. But he talked about McDaniel and just how you find a guy from freaking Charleston Southern to be you know a transfer and come in and potentially help you right away. A guy we watched, we were selfish with that with a couple scholarships late to kind of see how we evolved through uh, the later part of spring and to see how the roster management piece we went through. Um, we had him on our radar. We continued to watch. We talked with him. We got a background on him. Uh, a guy that we saw that that had some traits at offensive line. We thought that could be that could happen a little faster than maybe a true freshman. So, so he's been really good. He's had a great attitude. He's worked his tail off uh, physically a little. You can see physically ahead of some true freshmen. Yeah. So. Big dude in the mix. Like I said, Charleston Southern, 6'3", 305. Um, he also mentioned Anthony Berry, who's a little taller, a little leaner, but he's a Juco. Berry, same thing. Another guy at Iowa Western that we thought was really good. Evaluated him really hard. Um, a guy we see with some upside. Um, not there not there yet, but physically ahead um, that we think has a little bit faster of a path than maybe a true freshman at a high school. And that's how we have to evaluate those transfer guys or those guys that are coming out with a different clock is physically or mentally, emotionally, can they be a little bit ahead of a high school guy and, and, and get it to playing out correctly for timelines. And the first guy I mentioned was Graham Keating uh, when he was, he was making comments, uh, getting a shot at center. My guess is that he'll, he'll probably slide more often over to guard because uh, Fontenot is pretty good at center, but uh, I had heard he was kind of an under-the-radar guy out of Tennessee, 6'5", 290. So. It's, also, it's also one of my favorite expressions of drinking through a fire hose. Oh, use it. I mean, obviously, <laughs> we've used it for Martell. You, you know, it's like when you – well, I mean, when you have a lot of new guys coming into the program, they have to learn a lot quickly. So it's the, favorite, it's the, the, it's the favorite statement now. Yeah, just getting blown in the face by a fire hose. <laughs> just like, just the imagery. It's impossible. Yeah. You, can, you can't actually get any water. There's no refreshment there. I mean, can you say the same thing when it comes to blocking for Tim Tebow? I think that I think the fire hose has left him dazed and confused because, listen, I don't want to overdo it. Just watching a couple of highlights, but you can't wait. Hold on, well, we've seen we saw all of his run blocking reps. He had two. What was out there after the game over the weekend? His blocking that was as someone said. I mean, it's a pretty easy joke. That was a quarterback trying to block. Quarterback, like, dude, that what have you been what have you been working on? That was you trying to block. Speak for yourself. Actually, no. You were you were you were quite the uh, you were just blind in high school. You were quite the lineman. I was I was I was. Uh, Is that the way you blocked? Is that the way you blocked Frank Mir? No. When he pancaked you? No, I just got run over. I was trying to. I was trying Tebow to. just on um, one of the blocks. He just turns sideways and like lowers his shoulder. And dude, you're 270 pounds now. He's a monster. But you saw he block. Was, use your hands. He got two reps blocking, run blocking. Yep. And the one that went viral that everybody's looking at was obviously terrible. It was bad because he turned his shoulder and just tried to sort of chop a guy, hit him low, and just he whiffed him. The other one was even worse. No, but the, but the one you're talking about, the one that went viral, yeah, he whiffed, and then he had no, – the real problem is it's lack of experience. He, he came around. He pulled. He expected there to be a guy there to hit. Yeah. He wasn't there, and he had no idea what to do. And he just threw his body at somebody, missed, got on the ground, and then went and blocked his own guy because he didn't know where he was. Like, it was so bad. But then the, the other – the one other rep that he had – was closer to the like the, it was more on the interior of the line it wasn't a pulling situation and he just got thrown to the side and the guy made the tackle you shed so easily it was horrific yep. this is this is embarrassing and and this is what we talked about when this happened and now you've done the experiment and that's fine they can't keep him around anymore this is this is such a bad message to the rest of the team and by the way like i have I'm off of this now. I've been telling people you have to bet Tebow to win comeback player of the year. 
because just like Alex Smith last year, it's the same situation. If Tebow catches one touchdown pass, he could win it. You can't. It's that, That's over. That ship has sailed. That should be a million to one. He shouldn't be on a roster. He shouldn't be on a field. This is embarrassing. And it's not even really fun anymore. Like, it's hilarious, but it's not fun anymore. Like, there's guys that are out. There's guys all around the league that are skilled and talented and have busted their butts for years and years. And this dude's on a roster. This is gross. So, one of the big takeaways. One more time with the Crunch Crunch. One of the other big takeaways from the weekend is a summer of love might be over already. So what's the deal Oof. with Jordan Love? Reports are the Packers are like, Oof, this guy. That or the shoulder. I thought I thought the the bigger concern is he just they may not be able to play him. Shoulder's fine. It is fine. It's fine. You think this is an excuse? No, the the, the MRI was clean. It was good. Fine. Uh, it said he sucks, and there there's some concern uh, that not only is he not ready this year, he doesn't look like he's making progress to where he'd be good next year. Uh, there's definitely some concern. Now, I, I would say you have to play him to find out. Like, he's got to get reps. He's got to get on the field. You've got to see what he's like in live action to really know. But definitely at least some alarm bells coming out of Packers camp of just saying, like, I just don't know about this guy. Not ready now. Will he be ready next year? What are they going to do? And if Aaron Rodgers really pushes the, all right, I'll play this season, but that's it. You have to find somebody to trade me to next year. Maybe you have to draft another quarterback. What a disaster. Or get, or get one in return, right? I mean, we this year we were talking about, well, could they could they trade Rodgers and get a quarterback in return? And people said, well, they already have Jordan Love. Well, if they don't, maybe you do need – maybe that, that, you know, not that this would be the case, but – the Raiders are willing to give up a first or two first and Derek Carr, then maybe that's different. Maybe it's different now than it was three months ago. A healthy Rodgers, the Packers make the playoffs, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they bow out in the playoffs early. They can't do anything to resurrect the relationship. They're sitting there now with love. And maybe love plays the rest of the preseason and answers even more questions the wrong way. Is this a fireable offense for Gutekunst, the GM? Like, you screwed up the relationship with Aaron Rodgers. He hates you. You pissed him off by drafting his replacement, and the replacement ain't good and won't be ready three years in. It's not – I mean, it's one decision. But it's kind of big. But it's a, it's a big one. But it's – I mean, it's, it's – well, it's, it's one decision that had so many spillover effects. Sure. And bottom line, he may not be able to freaking play. Yeah. It's, it's not – it's inexcusable. But – you could also see because it seems like the president of the organization is, you know, has been he's he's taken a, a couple of jabs here, Mark Murphy at Aaron Rodgers. Like, do you do you think he'd ha- he'd be like, we can't if I fire him, it makes Rodgers one, of course. So then they stick around, you know, they stick with this GM for another year. Well, or do you do the hey, Aaron? You stick if we fire him, you stay. Will you, Boy, will you wouldn't stay? it be great if he if they said that to him and he's like, nope. Too late. I think he, you I think cave, be, you try to beg, you know, to, it was like, uh, I'm trying to think of the, uh, that doesn't matter. Stupid comparison, but yeah, this is, this is a disaster if he doesn't start showing some signs and I know uh, it's the preseason, but the, you know, the whispers you're getting out of Packers camp and maybe it's they, just, they to, ain't thrilled. Maybe it's just to try to motivate him. Maybe like, who knows? You never know what, what, why these things come out or when they come out or anything like that. But it'd be interesting. I also think if Rogers can get, Gutekunst fired. I think he just, he's like, okay, I won that. I'm going to stick around. 
The phone lines are open and we want to hear from you. Call 702-364-1100 and tell us what's on your mind. We don't mess around when it comes to food. It's the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. Brought to you by Nova Home Loans. You see a pair of laughing eyes and suddenly you're sighing sighs. I know you guys have a bunch of people at the RJ covering the uh, the scene around Allegiant Stadium. Oh, yeah. Did you have a food reporter going around and taking pictures of the food or you guys have done that so much in the past? That it wasn't an assignment? Yeah, we've done a little bit of that. Um, I think we'll probably continue, uh, maybe especially the first game coming up, to do a little bit more. I know uh, myself and a co-worker, uh, Cassie Soto, embedded into the uh, the Wynn nightclub. For, I want to talk about that in the Big for, Five, yeah, for yeah, sure. For, Let's get to that. For a little bit of that. But yeah, we, uh, we were kind of exploring the stadium a little bit, finding some stuff. The guy who's kind of latched onto this as one of his niches is Arash. Of course he has. Our buddy Arash. Well, he's just trying to get every stadium to name something after him. Uh, that could be it. Of course, yeah, that is. could be it. He's uh, he's ahead this. of you in terms of uh, sandwiches and food named after him. We know his uh, in this market uh, over you, boy oh boy. He sent out a tweet. <whistles> he said uh, about SoFi Stadium. There was a lot made of the fifteen dollar pepperoni pizza at SoFi Stadium, but it was a bigger issue than that. The prices and appearance of many food options at the stadium left many fans upset. Here's a look at the hot dog, marinara pizza, cheeseburger sub, and veggie burger sub. This is horrendous. Awful. I mean, I'll I I'll eat any I'll eat dog food. I I I know I've argued with you about presentation, but I mean, in this case, because I'm I've, I'm I've made the case that your presentation's got to be decent. But in the end, I'm going to eat it because I'm a slob. This is ridiculous. I don't even know what I can't even the hot dog. How old is this hot dog? It's shriveled up and whatever. It's, you know what? Could you, AF. It, it was. It looks. What is that? It looks terrible. Now I, again, I, you is it a bad it. angle? Is it? Is it like? Is it charred? You have to try it to know. So I'm, I don't want to overjudge. I it, guess the, the the skin will definitely pop. It looks like it'll break your freaking teeth. The hot dog looks. That's the worst. That. I mean, I guess there's some basil on the pepperoni pizza, but it looks. It doesn't look good. It looks like the the pizza you get in in elementary school, like the square pizza they put in the little in the in like the divvied up tray. And I'm sorry, this whatever this veggie burger thing is, and then the 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 picture of I think the actual burger, the burger's way overcooked and dry looking. All right, send this out on ESPN Las Vegas so people can see Arash's pictures of SoFi. The burger's dry, and then the thing that infuriates me is the unmelted cheese. Yeah. Just inexcusable. Maybe, maybe that's cheddar. It just looks like just a crappy long slice of American cheese not melted. What is this? And these, like, these can't all be 15 bucks. I mean, it's not cheap. I was there last year. I'll say this. Oh. I, I didn't go to any concession stands. They weren't open because there's no fans, obviously. But I was at SoFi last year for the Raiders-Chargers game. Uh, they did serve food down on the concourse. Oh no! Keep going. It it wasn't good. Um, I, now I don't know if that was concession stand food or if that was something they brought in or whatever. It wasn't good though. There's definitely a concern of what it's going to be like there, and it's it's not cheap. I found someone responded to it. They're like, "Wait, I, you know, I actually I did get one of the burgers with melted cheese, but look, 
Can you, I don't know if you can see oh, it on no. the. It looks even worse. Oh no! It's so bad looking. Oh boy! I love that Arash does this because th- this is this is the only way you got accountability. Sure. Because a lot of these stadiums are they they'll just they'll freaking rip you off and there's like there's no quality. Well, really, what they'll just do is ban him from the stadium. <laughs> I, they're not going to ban him from the stadium. <laughs> they're certainly not going to name an item after. No. Him. See, so you question his objectivity and his you know that he's got the ulterior motive on the whole thing. No, he's doing something good. Yeah, someone said cheeseburger. It looks like a brownie with cheese. Yeah, it's, it's all dried out meat. It's it's bad, and all reports are that you know we were scared here about what logistically it was going to look like. It sounds like it was a nightmare there. Uh, maybe that had something to do with. Uh, maybe no, none of their employees could get to the stadium, or I I don't know. I I have no idea what happened, but it sounds like it was a disaster there in, in more ways than one. And uh, this is not. This is not, this is not helping uh, the you know any other issues like well it takes a long time to get there you can't park traffic is a disaster but at least the food is awful like that's not going to help anything uh, for people's game day experience trying to find his uh, oh he here he is with the drink prices he all right so double double ultra cocktail twenty four super cocktail double twenty two. Beers seventeen and fifteen. Well, T-Mobile's like, what are you guys doing? Raise the prices. <laughs> um, I thought he said they had a they had a michelada that was twenty one, mm. which was funny. A, a couple of people responded. They were like, "And you get all that sodium?" Like, okay, that that's the concern on a twenty one dollar <laughs> michelada is the too much sodium. Like, then I guess you don't want to drink them ever. It's yeah. just like there's always someone on Twitter when. You have like an interesting story that just like brings up something where you're like, what are you even talking about? What are we looking for healthy high-end drinks? What are you, what are you nuts? I like those people. Uh, no, that's annoying. I'm one of those people sometimes. Uh, sure. Uh, that's, I, I, I did what? also see Can you people, imagine what the bean and cheese burrito is like for 12? I would love to try it. It's got to be one of those, like uh, one of the long ones that you heat up in the convenience store. I don't know. Probably going to be one of those. Uh, I, I think that people were also lobbying and saying, okay, what is it going to be for like for the chargers games though? It has to be cheaper, right? The Rams games are going to be expensive. Chargers games will be cheaper because nobody goes and nobody cares about the chargers. We're going to keep doing this joke. I saw people saying on Twitter. I think that don't they have about the same season ticket base? They say they do. So the Raiders lying about their season tickets? No. Okay. Why would you, you, the Chargers said they had north of 48,000. They're lying. We'll see. <laughs> I don't know. Weird reaction. All right. Coming up, let's uh, get the latest on, ooh, NHL, Vesna odds. I wonder who's uh, in front between Marc-Andre Fleury and Robin Leonard on the uh, latest odds coming out for the best goalie in the league next year. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Gambling. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. Do you think Josh Jacobs could win the MVP? No. It seemed like a long shot. It would seem like a long shot. Although I saw you guys wrote a story about Jacobs. He was, what, 68th on a top 100 list? Yeah, top 40, I think, get unveiled tonight. I would assume uh, a second Raider is in that list. Okay. I would imagine Darren Waller makes it. I mean, he was you would think. 99 last year. 
Hopefully he moves up this year. All right. The top I'll, 40 still to come. I'll look for that one. Um, going into the season, who's the higher rated goalie in the NHL? Is it Marc-Andre Fleury or Robin Leonard? It's a good question. I mean, I would imagine Robin Leonard, uh, mostly because I'm not sure Fleury is going to get a full-time job there. I think they're going to split it 50-50. So we'll see how that plays out. And Leonard, you would imagine, gets the vast majority of work in Vegas. You better tell the odds makers. Uh, Vesna Trophy, best goalie in the league. Robin Leonard, 10th on the list. Hmm. Marc-Andre Fleury, 2nd. Leonard, 16-1. to Guys like Tuka Rask. Carey Price ahead of him at ten to one. Hellebuck ten to one. Grubauer third. Damn, Seattle's got a better goalie than Vegas Golden Knights as an expansion team. Uh, Grubauer third, eight to one. Obviously, there's a lot more that goes into setting the odds. Sure. And Mark Andre Fleury's eight to one. Favorite is Vasilevsky at four to one. Yeah, so the defending Vezina Trophy winner now off the Knights in Chicago is second choice to win it again. Yeah, Leonard saw, is tenth. I saw a list. I think Fleury was third, and Leonard was seventh. Um. Somewhere on there, but yeah, you would. When you have guys that finished in the top three this year, you, they're most likely are going to be uh, the top candidates to be in the top three next year. You would think situations do change, though. Chicago um, puts their goalies in a much more difficult situation. Uh, their style is a little bit more more uh, fast and loose, uh, so kind of difficult for goalies to put up great numbers there. Uh, so we'll see if Flurry can replicate his season in a much much different system. Um, and obviously Leonard is in a spot where they are going to be a massive favorite to win a division. And so that helps with, uh, with Vesna trophy, you know, voting and, and Vesna, uh, you know, consideration when you're on a team that is that dominant coming up the big five, we'll get you ready for a SummerSlam. It's SummerSlam week. I'm sure Adam's all over that one. And we'll also talk about the uh, game on Saturday. Uh, some of the big winners, according to John Gruden with some you know, really nice comments about certain young players and, We'll get back into the parking, which a lot of people had sticker shock because uh, they hadn't been down there and didn't realize the cost to park and the availability of parking. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today.